Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would and credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, You can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying Inquiries of Our Reality, do me a favor and drop me a review or rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. While you're at it, come join the Discord or Telegram groups for the show. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow me across social media to stay updated on the show. If you'd like to support the show, you can subscribe to my Patreon for just $5 a month, where you will receive early access to inquiries of our reality, big dumb inquiries, and bizarre encounters. You can also support the show by donating on Anchor or Ko-fi, which will help me upgrade equipment and hopefully eventually do this full-time so I can put out even more awesome content for you guys. If you guys want some t-shirts or other awesome merchandise for Increase of Our Reality, Big Dumb Increase, or Bizarre Encounters, stop by my Teespring store and get yourself something nice. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered on the show, or you feel you can contribute to the show in any way, shape, or form, shoot me a message on social media or feel free to email me at increaseofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the Linktree link to be directed. Or remember, L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Increase of Our Reality Podcast. Thank you so much, everyone. I appreciate all of you, and I couldn't be doing this without your support. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome, welcome back to Inquiries of Our Reality, episode number 76. Wow, 76 already. Damn, that shit went by fast, man. But today, with me, I have another very special guest. He's another podcaster that started off, I guess, relatively around the same time as me, a couple months after. So it's just one of those things. There's about time that, you know, we get together because 
as everybody knows, I like to have a wide range of guests on my show, and I like to talk to all walks of life. So, you know, I figured it was about time to connect. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Drew from the Drewcast to the show. How's it going today, bro? What's up, Shane? Dude, honored to be on your show. And uh, thank you once again for reaching out and just inviting me on, dude. I'm always down to get on and talk to anybody, meet new people, and uh, shoot the shit. I'm all about it. Thanks to Deplorable Janet. Shout out to uh, Deplorable Janet and Deplorable Nation. Uh, She had you on her show, said, I think you guys really connect. And I think that, uh, you know, you guys do a good show together. So you should should shoot a message. So, you know, just like anything that Deplorable Janet says, of course, you know, I'll take it to heart and, you know, hopped right on it. So I shot a message to you literally right after she said that to me. Planned a date. (laughs) Here we are finally, man. I was really looking forward to it. Yeah, dude. You you hit me up. You were like October 26th. I think that's what today is. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then uh, the funny thing about today is I woke up 15 minutes late for work and you're not supposed to be late. And uh, I ran to work as fast as I could, had a shitty day at work. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then, so now here I am and I have a feeling it'll turn my day around. So I appreciate it, dude. Dude, that's what podcasting is all about. At least for me, dude, I overbook myself because I enjoy doing it so much that it's not even just about like, oh, I need to get an episode done for the week. I just like talking, talking to people, you know, I like, uh, having something to look forward to at the end of the day. So no matter what, I kind of know that no matter how shitty my day gets, I'll be able to sit down and do a podcast with somebody at night. And it kind of, you know, it's one of those things that kind of helps you get through the day, you know, just to have your, your special thing that you do that makes you, makes you, you, you know, because mm-hmm. podcasts, and I'm sure as most people that do it would know, um, it quickly isn't just a hobby. It more so becomes a lifestyle very quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. I, what sucks is when people like cancel. Um, like I've had this guy from Sweden who I love to death and I, I always try to book a show with him because he's cool as hell. He lives in the castle. He's cool. And he's always like, dude, let's do a show. And so I'm like, okay, we can do Sunday. I'll get up at seven because I know it'll be like eight o'clock your time or seven thirty in the evening. And it'll be 7am in the morning for me. So let's do it. I get up early call him and he's like oh i'm not feeling good today brother and i'm like damn it and so he's done that three weekends in a row to me dude so but i podcasting is dope because like when you get on and you start talking um you know you're recorded you know people are gonna listen so it's just a different conversation you're really on top of like your research and everything you don't want to fuck up you know you don't want to spit some bullshit out there so i I don't know what it is the art of speech too in a sense because, like, I'm sure same thing for you. When you come in on your first episode, you can tell, like, how nervous you are. You have to do a shit ton of editing. And then you yeah. kind of, like, get your, uh, for lack of a better term, your, like, radio voice or, like, podcast voice going. And then after yeah. that, it kind of just becomes, like, like riding a bike. You know, it just becomes second nature where it's, like, you have your way that you talk normally, like, with normal people where you have, like, the spaces in between. And once you get into your podcast groove, you just have this different flow, different way of doing shit where you're, you know, have this ability to not leave dead air. Um, You know, you just... Start, start developing skills and you kind of more so master the art of like communication as a whole. And it's, it's an, honestly an art form, man, to be able to like project your ideas properly where you're having hundreds, thousands, ten, whatever you happen to have listeners, you know, like you have, you have to be able to portray what you're trying to say properly. Otherwise you're going to lose the listeners along the way. So you just really yeah. harness your skills of communication, you know, got to bring the energy, man. You got to Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it, like you said, it's kind of addictive. It's kind of fun. It's it's something you look forward to doing. So it's, it's one it's of those things. That if you stop doing it, you'd almost feel like you're missing something. But yeah. before we get too far into the conversation, for anybody that doesn't know who you are, um, 
let them know about your show. Uh, let them know where they can find you. So it's on the front end, and we'll probably hit it again on the back end just in case. But uh, I want people to get a feel for you and know who you are before we start getting too deep into everything because, you know, everybody has to know your roots and where you started from and what you're doing, man. Well, I'm a longtime podcast listener, like 10 years, and I'm a welder. So, like, I've had a lot of time at work to just throw some AirPods in back in the day, you know, headphones, and just weld and work and listen. It really it's, – it's been a – an enjoyment of mine for a long time. Like there, there'd be times I'd get home and I'd just listen to a podcast. I wouldn't even watch a TV show. You know what I mean? I'd listen to the podcast and just clean, uh, enjoy it somewhat more than I do some TV shows. So, so I just decided back in June of 2022, I was like, I was like, dude, I got like, I was welding and somebody had said, you know, take control of your life. If you want to make a podcast, make a podcast. And it just clicked. And I was like, dude, I'm going to make a podcast. I didn't know how, I didn't know what you use. I didn't know how to promote it. I didn't know a microphone, how it would work. I literally, this is my closet, if I'm being honest, because it's the only space in my house that I could build like a little area. And uh, I'm in the same boat, dude. I was sitting up at my kitchen table for a while, and I just recently moved out of my couch so that I could be more comfortable doing interviews. But yeah, I don't have a studio either. I still make it sound good. I know how to make everything work. But dude, you just make it work with the space you got, you know? <laughs> you just make it work. Exactly. And And I never knew I'd have such good conversations in a closet. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, but, um, but my, my podcast is called the drew cast. Um, and, uh, you can find my Instagram drew cast podcast is my Instagram handle. Um, I enjoy creativity, dude. I've, I, I made music since I was 15 and then I realized that that's a dead end road. And so I know what kind of music, uh, I did a 10 song country album back when I was 20. I'm 34 now. And whenever I turned 29 to 30, I met a guy out here named Charm Britton, who is, he goes by the King of OC. He's anyways, he's, he's, he, he's funny, but he had a decent following. He, he knew Drake, he, he knew Lil Wayne, he knew, uh, Chris Brown and he's in like, uh, little wayne's song or, or i don't know who it is it's these hoes ain't loyal he's like he's the number one guy smoking a a, a dude with little wayne his name's, <laughs> his name's charm britain and he lived in my apartment complex and we ended up uh meeting and um uh, actually that swedish friend of mine was also in that complex and we all three met and uh we met and then he plugged me into studios i sang hooks for him and then uh it was taking off. It was going great. And then I met my wife and I had my kid and then I just was done. And now I just play the guitar for my little girl. If I do write any more music, it's probably going to be based around my wife and my, my little girl. And it, it'll be more like Jack Johnson kind of vibes. No, I dig it, man. I, I'm always yeah. curious because I came from a musical background myself. So I always like to, I'm just curious what kind of music people are into. Cause I listen to some weird shit. So just a little oh, side, side note. I want I want to keep learning about about you know how you got into everything that you do besides the music aspect. You know. Okay. Yeah. Well. Well. So podcasting. You know. I <laughs> I noticed that my voice was getting taken out. You know. Like I was. I lived in California and it felt like everything on the news was the opposite of what I was thinking. And so then I was like, dude, I need a voice, and my friends need a voice. And what better way to do that than to create a podcast where you can actually feel like your opinions are out there and 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 whether I don't know. I try to get them off your chest, man. Yeah. 
Because sometimes yeah. it, it doesn't matter who hears it. You just need to be able to say it out loud, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, especially when you're cooped up in a censored world, you know, like you can't say things here, you can't say things there. And then so to get on and just be like, this is who I am. If you don't want to listen, don't listen. If you want to listen, go ahead and listen. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things. And I have a lot of friends who are like-minded like me. So I was like, dude, let's all get together and have a good time. Dude, you never know who you're going to touch along the way. I don't know if, if you got into a point where you have like, uh, I guess you could say like your, your like diehard listeners. Cause I got two of them that I talk to regularly. Uh, shout out to Brian and Shane. Weirdly enough, you know, Shane and Shane, okay. but, uh, yeah, they're like, you know, it's, it's really cool. You get to a point where it's like, you're doing your thing. You're just being you. And there's just these people that'll just like connect with you and the person that you are. And then they hit you up and they're just like listeners. And then you become friends and stuff. And like, it's, it's just a cool thing, man, that it's not even just being able to just connect with the podcast side of things, even like the listeners, like, you know, there's the most fascinating people too, you know, like there may be some people that have a lot to say, but they just haven't, you know, felt the need to speak up necessarily, you know, or they just haven't gotten to that point where they feel like they need to do like a podcast or anything, but they definitely have a lot to say. So it's like some of the people I enjoy talking to the most, man, are some of my listeners and Brian and Shane are two of the coolest people I've ever met. So shout out to both of them. And I know that they're listening to this. So shout out to both of you guys. <laughs> What's up, dudes? Yeah, man, I'm with you. I, I had my friend's dad reach out to me and say, Hey, I don't know where you're going with, uh, on episode one, you know, J my boy, Josh flat earth. Uh, that was the episode. And, uh, my friend's dad, who I didn't know too well, shout out Jim Scott. He, uh, he reached out to me and he just said, Hey, I don't know what you're, what you're trying to achieve on this endeavor, but I just want you to know, like, I like it. And I just was like, thanks man. And he's been a loyal listener like her, you know, he likes everything. He's comments, great conversation. And, uh, and I actually got his son on. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say that, like you said, there's a couple people, um, that, that follow what I do and, and, uh, and, and shocks me, like it shocks me that, Oh, what? Like this kid I went to high school with who we weren't close, but he's like, like liking my stuff. And, and so it's like, Oh, you're listening. You know what I mean? Like, so it is pretty cool. I know exactly it's, what you mean by that. It's kind of weird too when people start like actually taking you seriously as a podcaster because like I started my podcast. There's a group of people at my work. They all knew me before I started my podcast and they just saw me as like Shane. They're like, oh, you just, you know, doing a podcast, like whatever. And now we have like a new flow of people that come in and they're all like come in seeing me as a podcaster. So it's like before nobody listened to my stuff at work and now everybody like it's weird, dude. I'll like walk into like a room and people will be like, Hey man, like I'm listening to your podcast and I'm just like baffled by it. Like, wait, you're listening to what I have to say? <laughs> like it's fucking yeah, weird, dude. man. Like I don't, you almost don't know how to react to it sometimes. And yeah. you know, just being a guy in general, like guys generally don't get a lot of compliments. So it's like, you know, it, it hits your heartstrings a little bit, you know, when somebody actually like appreciates what you're doing, you know? A hundred percent. Yes. A hundred percent. I have some coworkers who are like, yo, I listened to this one and, and then they'll feed in their, their take on it, you know? And, and I just find that cool as well. Yeah, expanding the ideas too. Yeah. Yep. And some people be like, Hey dude, you're wrong. This is what really happened. And I'm like, Oh shit, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, one thing I always like to hop into just, you know, tearing away the bandaid, you know, because part of the reason why I started a podcast was like, you know, you, you do you do a little bit of like not not so much on the podcast because the podcast you do a little bit more like touch and base, kind of getting a feel for somebody versus like 
you know, the small talk, just fluff, unimportant stuff. Like this stuff's actually important, but I like being able to uh, do a podcast and kind of just like <laughs> going raw, I guess, for lack of better terms. Raw dog. Yeah, to start getting just into the deep side of shit. Okay. So one thing that I like to present before we start getting into that kind of crazy shit is uh, what's your perception of reality, man? Like just from your experiences, because nobody really knows this for sure. Um, like what, what ideas do you entertain the most? And like, how, how would you, if you had to, at this present moment in your life, because again, everything always changes with more information. Like how do you perceive the reality that we're in? What do you think it is? Dang, that's a great question. Um, you know, sometimes I think it's a simulation. I feel like I'm in the Sims. You know, I, I recognize I'm a slave to society and I, I go to work and I pay my taxes and I contribute that, you know. And so I catch myself, you know, in that frame of thought. And then I also get into the spiritual side of my frame of thought, which is uh, there's a heaven and there's a hell. You know, like I, I, I believe that I believe that there's good and evil. Um, I clearly see it. I mean, if you just open your eyes, you're going to see a lot of it. Uh, but like I had a friend, um, I had a friend, he's, I'm 34 and he's 34. We played football together. He was uh, a linebacker and I was a linebacker and he, he drank himself to death last Sunday. So he, he drank, I don't know how, well, I, I don't mean to say this. I, I think that's what happened. I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I found out he was in the hospital two weeks ago and um, they said his liver was failing and his kidney was failing. And there was a big part of me, we call him Nate dog. So I, I, I was like, everybody's like, yo, I think he's going to pass. And in my head, I was like, nah, he's a dog. He's going to get through this. So I was like the only one who kept the faith. Like he's going to, he's going to make it. And he did, he made it for a long time. Uh, they said he, he should have passed away pretty fast and, he made it two solid weeks in the hospital and he died Sunday and I was taking a nap the other day. And I, sometimes when you wake up from a nap, you can be like, what is reality? <laughs> like, you're just like, Whoa, like, it's like, like a restart moment. It's a restart moment. Um, and I just thought of my boy, Nate. And I just was like, man, Nate, where you at, man? We're like, like, you know what I mean? And so if you're going to ask me, what is my reality? I would say I'm a little confused on what my reality is right now. Because I'm questioning all of it. Um, Just coming from your background, uh, are you more of like a like like are are you a religious type person? And if so, like what's what's like your like religious base almost to like your your views on reality or perception of reality? Like, do you look at it through that filter also, or do you kind of just like see it for what it is and then just kind of express ideas and concepts without necessarily trying to tie it to whatever your religious background and views are? Well, I, I, I believe in a God and I, I talk to that God. I just talk to him. Um, and I thank him for the things I have. I have a little girl and I have a beautiful wife. And then I do catch myself often at work when I go outside, looking up at the sky and wondering if the planet that we're on is flat. Um, and if we are in this dome and that the stars are just lights and, um, that's what I'm saying whenever I say I don't know what my reality is now because I'm questioning so many parts of it. But I will tell you when I look up and see clouds and see planes and and uh, I really do question if it's flat these days. That's 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 where my reality is at recently. See, I have a 
I entertain the, the flat earth idea. Um, usually when people ask me if I'm a hollow earther or a globe or not hollow earther, a flat earther or a globe earther, I usually tell them I'm a flat earther. And when they ask like, oh, that could be for both. And I go, exactly. But honestly, if I had to sway towards one side, like I would assumably say globe. But again, let's like my, my opinion changes frequently on it. Um, I haven't been presented the right information as far as flat earth concepts go but taking that aside because i don't like to dig into that shit too much um just because <laughs> nobody knows for sure and it's just a, a battle within the community that i don't like to get too far into but uh one idea that i've kind of thought of recently is that like if we're in an organic simulation of us um maybe both people are right like maybe it's almost like a video game and the concept of you know you have a map it's a basic map and as things progress and update the map updates so theoretically speaking off of that, maybe the map when it first started was a small little area. Maybe it was more of like a flat earth type of concept. And then as life expanded, everything expanded. If we are in a reality that's created by a higher power, you know, it's almost like the concept of expanding the land, expanding the map so that more people can fit within the map. So, you know, if it is an organic simulation, it's definitely probable that it could have been flat earth type of setup back biblically when people are trying to like connect all these different things with different phrases from the bible um and then you know as life updated progressed whatever like the map started to reform itself and i mean the same kind of concept can kind of go with space where it's almost like you know good example like you're playing grand theft auto and you're staring you're up in like a jet or something on top of a skyscraper and you're looking across the map like the basic idea of the map is outlined but it's not defined yet because it hasn't you haven't gone to that location where it's had to like update and bring itself to what it, what it is you know so like maybe we're looking at space and the concept of like oh there's things there there's this there there's that there but if it's some type of like organic simulation it's like a place that won't be loaded and mapped out until you physically go there if that makes sense interesting no i like that i like that concept uh yeah, I was with a friend one time. We smoked weed, and, and this was when I first thought of the idea of a simulation. And he said, "Andrew, do you do you think we live in a simulation?" And I was stoned out of my gore, walking the streets of California, and I was like, "Dang, it does. It looks like one, you know." And uh, um, I've always pondered that thought. You know, are we plugged into the matrix? Is this a matrix type system? Uh, like you were saying, like you know, the more we advance, the more the map changes and mm -hmm. and so in the matrix the maps change crazy you know it's like like well not necessarily where neo's at at the beginning but whenever you unplug from the matrix and the sky's all lightning and uh you know the map changed um mm -hmm. it's interesting dude i i like to think about these ideas because not a lot of people take the time to sit and think about these ideas they have a lot a, of find, people find them depressing from what I've noticed. And it's like, I don't look at it depressing. I look I at it as like an optimistic thing, but like the average person, uh, it's one of those things that it's like people like us like to talk about the afterlife, about death, looking at it from an optimistic standpoint of like what could theoretically be almost like a, like a mystery, you know? And yeah. a lot of other people, it's like, they try to avoid the thought concept, whatever, until it's like right in front of them. And they just kind of see it as a scary, depressing thing. But it's like, you always look at it that way unless you dig into it, you know, like you kind of just have to at a certain point realize that there's a law of duality. So you have to be into the dark as much as the light and find balance in between. And if you're always in the light, you're always going to be scared of the dark. But if you learn how to walk right in the fine line, 
then you'll be able to navigate yourself through the light and the dark and be able to keep yourself on that steady path in the middle, you know? Dude. Yeah. And that's, excuse me. That's where I'm at with my friend who passed. I'm dealing with some duality and I'm just like, like, like his funerals Friday. I, unfortunately I won't be able to make it. And, uh, there's just a big part of me that is shocked. Side note, by the way, sorry, sorry. Say side no. note, by the way, yeah, I didn't say it earlier. I'm sorry for your loss. No worries, man. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, like 34 is a young, is a young man. I'm, a, I'm 34 and I still view life as like, man, there's so much more I want to do. I want to see my little girl grow up. I want to, I want to move back to Kansas. I want to, you know, I have a goal of all sorts of things and I'm always goal oriented. And, uh, sometimes when stuff like this happens, you got to like, kind of check yourself and be like, Hey Drew, where were you five years ago? All right. What did you want five years ago? And then I look at where I'm at now and it's like, I have all those things now and I should, I should soak it in more. I should, I should be more present. Um, sometimes I get too goal oriented or I get too in the mind that, you know, what we're talking about, like is life a simulation? Is this, 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 is this, 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 so what's going to happen when Biden does this? What's, you know, I just keep on hey, what if Russia sends a nuke? Like I, like I keep on thinking these things and it's like, my friend passing away, I kind of checked myself and I was like, you know what? You need to be more thankful and grateful and, 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 and really water down the blessings that you uh, have now. Um, and th that's what, that's what's been happening with me since my friend Nate died. But yeah. I mean, it's also a matter of just the way society is set up. Um, it, th you, they want you to keep grasping for the next thing. Like, they have the idea that they don't want anybody to be comfortable and settled to be happy with what they have. Because honestly, if you're looking at it from the grand standpoint, like wealth isn't defined by money. Wealth is defined by your necessities being covered one and three or two, like you don't need money to make you happy. What What's important is your family. Everybody's healthy. Everything's good. Like that's, that's honestly pure wealth. But just because of the whole way society has been manipulated, uh, they keep wanting you to strive for that next thing, strive for that next thing. And the idea is that, you know, they'll get you in debt. They'll make you keep trying to dig for the next thing. So people end up living this super materialistic life. And honestly, if you don't catch yourself and pull yourself out of it, everybody is going to fall into this path. And I mean, all of us have to play the game a little bit, you know, because you, you have bills to pay, you have shit you got to do. Um, so you, you just, you do what you got to do. But at the same time, you have to be able to learn how to like separate yourself from the materialistic world. And just find comfort and peace in just being and, you know, just appreciate the things that you enjoy doing, you know, like yeah. a lot of people are scared to get into things they want to do because of the work involved, not realizing that the real reward is something that you put time and effort and work into, like going back and just like starting up a podcast, for example, you know, it's like once you get it rolling and everything, it's like one of the most rewarding things that I've done personally in my life. But, uh, you know, it's not like it's making a lot of money. Um, you know, a lot of us, you know, aren't able to podcast full time. But again, it's not about wealth. If it's something you truly enjoy doing, like, fuck the money. Like, just do what you want to do. Live your life to your fullest that you see as the fullest. And, you know, get your message out. Say your truths. You know, it's not, it's not about the money. It's never been about the money. At least for me, it's never been. But that's... Dude, dude, I'm talking to you and I don't even know you at all. Like, and, and like for us to just be sitting here and giving each other, uh, each other's ears like 
what a what a cool thing like i like i i this is my first time meeting you and we're having a freaking cool conversation like it, who does that on the bus you know what i mean like who sits down next to a stranger and just says hey man do you think you're just flat <laughs> you know what i mean so so that's the beauty of this podcast world i love it that's that's my favorite part about it is and i'm i'm learning about other people you're from michigan i'm from kansas i live in orange county so if you want to talk about you know constantly upgrading holy shit that's around me all the time and um i'm i'm falling back like i can't like i don't care at all my brother he's he's caught up in uh he lives in newport beach and he's got a um he's got a, a badass company and he hits me up and he's like, Drew, just make more money, man. Just make more money. And I'm like, I make enough money, bro. I'm good. I'm happy. I don't need to like continually chase that dollar. And what's the, what's the classic quote? More money, more problems. More money, more problems. Who was that? Uh that was two no, that wasn't Tupac, that was Biggie. Yep. I think. Um I, I yeah. mean, honestly, I feel like it's one of those universal phrases that almost every rapper has probably said it at some point. So Regardless of, of who you say, more than likely you're probably correct. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it, it's true, man. I've seen it with, uh, seen a lot of guys make a lot of money out here. Um, a lot of random people at bars, like they, they would always have a shit ton of money. Um, to be honest, all I want is what you were talking about, and that's just, you know, stability, a home for my beautiful for my family, some safety. You know what I mean, and. I want freedom and freedom to me looks like getting the fuck out of California because my, where I grew up, my town was 800 people and I miss just going outside at night. I didn't realize like how good I had it. And I would play my acoustic guitar on the porch, look up at the stars and I could see every one of them. I could see the Milky way in Kansas cause there was no light pollution where I lived. And um, I'm actually going back on the second of November and I can't wait. Uh, but when I look back, I, I tell all my homies who still live back there, I'm like, dude, you guys are rich. You guys are loaded. Like nobody owns a big lawn here, you know? And if you do, you're freaking really rich. Like, mm -hmm. so like for you to have a property in Michigan and Kansas, wherever the hell you're from, like you've got to understand you're really blessed and, and, uh, don't, don't worry about keeping up with the Joneses or any of that shit. Like just understand, like I said earlier, like water, your blessings, live in the moment. Sometimes like just take the time to realize, Hey, where was I five years ago? And am I, am I, do I have the things I wanted, you know, that I said I might get five years ago. And if, if you do have it, you know, spend some time being uh, grateful for it. That's what I'm doing now. I mean, getting into the spiritual side of shit. I mean, everybody's life journey is intended to be the way that it is. Um, whether you're looking at that from like a biblical standpoint of like, you know, the grand, the grand plan or right. looking at it from just like a spiritual side of it, just being that like everybody has a specific journey that they're intended to have. Uh, like one thing that's always gotten me through life is that everything's intended to happen for a reason, whether it's a downtime uptime, like you never really appreciate the good times unless you have the bad times and you never really like notice the bad times, you know, unless you have the good times because you need like that level of comparison. So it's like everything's intended to happen for a reason. And every dark moment you have could be a learning lesson or a lesson learned and also a lesson that you may be able to teach to somebody else to help them get through those times. And whether you believe in God, you believe in some kind of universal consciousness, like things may get really dark at times, 
where you don't feel like you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But you're, I don't feel like you're ever going to be dealt a card that you're not able able to to come over. You know what I mean? Like it's all yeah. about even just like mental ability in the aspect of like people go through some fucked up shit and they end up becoming some of the most mentally strong people I know. And it's one of those trends that you can either develop that and become strong or you can, you know, fall down and let the world beat the shit out of you. So it's like up to you to define which side you want to be. But again, going into the universal consciousness of everything, I'm a firm believer that the meaning of life is experience. So whether it all happens in one lifetime or you have multiple lifetimes, if life is about experience, you know, if you do live multiple lifetimes, like maybe you're intended to live really poor, really rich, you know, in the middle, like you're intended to be able to see life from all different angles. Cause that's the only way that you'll ever really understand life is if you're able to see it from all different perspectives and angles. Otherwise, again, you're just looking at things from one vantage point. So you're only looking at 1% of the grand world and grand scheme of things, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. I have a question about that. People talk about, you know, coming back, you know, you die and then you come back. Um, I clearly don't remember shit if, if I have come back, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Of, of my previous life, if I was, uh, you know, in the 1800s, if I was a blacksmith or something, like I have no clue. Like, like people talk Maybe about that. To, though. Maybe that's you, what uh, I'm saying. Like, like I wonder if fucked up on that one restart. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you could tap in, like, cause I hear some people will say, you know, I used to be, I don't know, a nanny for some, oligarch back in the 1700s like there's there's people who claim that they have had that death and then came back a different person and i I, i've never experienced anything like that there is deja vus that i have that i'm like wait a second but um that stuff's always interesting to me the whole is it reincarnation is what you would call it Uh, like one self one soul to come back and back and back I mean, it could be that, or the other idea that I like to entertain is that it could be ancestral memory, where, like, when you do past life regressions, you have visions, like, whatever, you're perceiving it from that that first point of view, um, but, you know, it may not necessarily be you in a past life, it may have been an ancestor that you've had, and you're connected with them, of course, because they're somewhere in your ancestry, so you're, you know, tapped into almost like an, the Akashic records of your family and being able to view things from their viewpoint, you know? Because I've had, yeah, that, like... Dude weird visions um with using you know magic plants and uh recurring one where i'm this same person like i can't see the face of course but you can see the hands the arms the markings on it and uh it's always like this this viking person so like i said it could i could be ancestral memory it could have been a past life could just be a complete fantasy but like you never really know for sure and you won't really know for sure until you're on the other side and by then you won't be able to pass the information back because like how many stories have you heard of somebody that, you know, has an experience with a ghost or a being or whatever. And they say that like, this is what it is on the other side. Like it's instantly disregarded. Like you still don't necessarily know for sure. And even just going into that shit, if you believe in the spiritual realm of stuff, it's like you don't know who you're perceiving. Like you could think that it's your grandma. It could be a totally different entity that's intended to be there to try to completely deceive you, you know, like, oh, you yeah. really don't know for sure. It's all, it's all up in the air, you know, but woo turns into science as soon as it gets figured out, like, alchemy to chemistry, you know? Yeah, ghosts and stuff like that, you know, we're almost, we're approaching Halloween, 
I love ghost stories. I love, I love a good haunting. I love a good demonic story or whatever, because it's so fascinating. Clearly it's something that's in our psyche as humans, because we love watching horror movies. We love watching exorcist. Um, I mean, it could be also inheritedly that people are, uh, no matter how far we try to stay away from it, uh, like people are inheritedly violent. Um, I mean, honestly, yeah. any living animal is, to be honest with you, like sweetest animal in the entire world, if it gets back into a corner, is going to turn aggressive. So maybe it's yeah. also partly a subconscious thing that like, because we don't live like we did back in the day where somebody pisses you off and you fucking duel them outside or fight them, you know, like, yeah. you know, our, our satisfaction has to be quenched in some other way, shape or form. So we watch violent movies to, to get rid of that urge. And uh, connecting to that, just with the common concept is, you know, everybody wants to live in the city. They feel like it's safe. They feel like it's this. But I always bring this up. Everybody decorates their houses with pictures of outside. So, again, it's like a subconscious call to the wild that we have this way that we're supposed to be living. And we've deterred yes. so far from that that we don't know how to go back to it. But everybody still has that primal urge and call. I'm not saying violence is good by any means. But, like, you know, it's it's needed in certain, certain situations. You know what I mean? And, like... We're in such like a passive society now that it's like everybody's scared to stand up. And uh, I don't even mean just violence in like the physical way, but just being able to like stand up for yourself in the aspect of, you know, if somebody's going to harm you, yes, it may turn a little bit more violent. But even just like verbally, like, you know, everybody's so wish-washy. They don't want to say things to offend people. Like, you just got to say what you got to say, do what you got to do, you know, and don't well, really be uh, pushed down by others, you know. Society has turned everything offensive everything's offensive now. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's the one, like, I, I don't know what the word is for it. Um, I have a friend, James Scott, and he, he reads a lot of books and he, he always tells me, Oh, it's something repressive tolerance and all this other stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I'm with you on that. Everybody has pictures in their house that, uh, is of the outside. I have, I have lived in both worlds. I've lived in rural America and I've lived in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? And, and basically half and half. And once I had my kid, all I want now is the stars, not necessarily the woods. Cause I'm not from the woods, but the land, the, like I, I want her to play in the dirt. I like, there's something about reconnecting with the earth, taking some mushrooms, grounding yourself, and uh resetting everybody's got depression now everybody's got something that they're dealing with and like i, I have just a want to diagnose that, people so that they can give them pills honestly yeah oh yeah hell yeah big pharma's all about it and and like they're just a you know an open door machine that just keep, or whatever it's called but like they that's what i'm saying though that is my it's not my reality i don't live that way but if i turn on the tv or my wife's watching a tv show every damn commercial is a pill and um it's just like fuck all this i want to shut the tvs off i want to throw them away and i want to just be a barbarian like you know what i mean like i just want to be outside and <laughs> and like um so that's 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 my goal right now i have some time i was telling you before we start this podcast i'll be here another six years but my end goal is to create that uh, house on the prairie, quote unquote. Um, and I want, I'm going back to Kansas and I asked my mom, can you show me how to jar apples, peaches? Can you like teach me what you know? 
because she grew up in South Dakota on a ranch and uh, and like she's a smart woman whenever it comes to like storing food and understanding how to um, do all those kinds of things. And I don't know shit. <laughs> I never hunted. I never did anything. So like now I'm like really wanting to tap into that. A uh, little side shout out. Um, Lanny from Greener Postures. If you're ever trying to learn how to do that kind of stuff, she does workshops. They're great. I've learned how to make uh, kvass, kombucha, all that fun stuff from her. She does canning things. So shout out to her. Anybody that's into that kind of stuff, go check out Greener Postures and Lanny. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. Greener um, Pastures? Greener Postures. Postures. Not pastures. Okay. Postures. Okay. Okay. I'll check but, that out. Uh, I have this, uh, this concept that I've been thinking about lately. You made a reference to magic mushrooms. And uh, this is this new, uh, I was literally watching TV last night, and I just had, you know, you're just watching TV, you see certain things, and certain things just start to click. So I've been kind of, like, expanding on this idea and theory, and, you know, this is the perfect time to present it, I guess. Um, so, connecting to spiritual things, being connected with the land, kind of like we were talking about, uh, I kind of have this idea that they are, the powers that be, whatever you want to call them, are intentionally trying to disconnect us from spiritual plants. Um, my examples of that being that tobacco, extremely spiritual plant from Native American tradition. Um, so what happens with it? You mass produce it and normalize it. Everybody uses it. It doesn't become spiritual anymore. It just becomes just normalized, regular thing that everybody uses. Uh, once that happens, then you come in and say, that's bad for you. Here's this alternative. And the alternative is something that's completely synthetic and man-made where it gives people the same rush but it's not that natural spiritual thing anymore. So you essentially, the idea is rather than saying somebody can't have this spiritual plant, you overproduce it and then you uh, make it obsolete so that people wouldn't even think about using it anymore. Um, we've seen this with tobacco with everything moving to vapes now. Um, the next one that I'm starting to try to figure out <laughs> is uh, cannabis, because I still believe that there's some kind of weird tie to that. Um, one connection may be the fact that Everybody's been smoking weed for a long time. Like, you're fine smoking the new good shit. Uh, but everybody else that's never smoked weed and, you know, they got to wait till Big Daddy government says it's okay for them to smoke weed, they're coming in with this crazy strong shit, making them docile as fuck, or they don't want to do anything. It's like classic fucking stoner movies. Like, these people are coming in and just staring at the fucking wall and not knowing what's going on. So I'm curious what the alternative is going to be for that, to connect people, disconnect people from that spiritual plant. Um, another tie that I'm starting to make is mushrooms. They're starting to become slowly decriminalized. Obviously, another very spiritual plant because it's weird that all the plants that they're slowly legalizing and have been legalizing are all the most spiritual ones. So they're already talking about how they're be able, they can theoretically make uh, like synthetic psilocybin from like bacteria and shit. So literally, that alternative is already there to disconnect people from the spirituality of the plant. So I don't know if you have any ideas to expand on this concept. I'm still trying to figure out the cannabis aspect of it, but I just was watching one of those like truth commercials last night. And I remember them when I was a kid, they're always about smoking, smoking's bad for you, this and that. And now they're like, you didn't see them for a while. And then they pop back up and now they're like, vaping is bad. Vaping leads to depression, all this kind of shit. And I'm just like, when the fuck did tobacco become obsolete? And then I started connecting all these dots and I'm just kind of onto this whole theory about disconnecting people from spiritual plants intentionally. Dude, I'm, by making them obsolete because you make people give them up you don't want to take them from them just like rights with a lot of shit you make the people voluntarily give it up or make it obsolete you know 
Yes. So I was a massive stoner when I was in my band in Kansas when I was 20. I was I was the stoner you didn't want to be around. I was going to smoke it all. You know what I mean? I couldn't get high enough. And uh, and so for like two years, that's that's who I was. And I loved it. It was the most peaceful two years of my life. I murked everybody in Black Ops, the first one. I was an <laughs> assassin. If, if you came around me, you were getting a tomahawk to the head. This is a video game for anybody who doesn't know. And uh, one in the chamber, see you later. Dude, I was a stud. And I was, I was completely stoned all the time, playing music, playing in the band. My, uh, my boss was my drummer's dad, so he didn't care that I was late all the time. Um, and, yeah, I loved weed. And uh, to refer back to what you're saying is I watched, you know, um, what is it that uh, Pineapple Express where at the beginning it's like, it feels like I'm on some flapjacks, a piece of butter on flapjacks. Like, I'm a stick of butter on flapjacks. <laughs> yeah. And, and, then, and then it's like uh, whatever the, the weed number was, number 12, illegal, you know? And, and so I've always been like, Shit, like fuck you guys like like i've done marijuana um i grew up in a very prude family and so my mom was always like disappointed that that's what i did or whatever and i was like dude this stuff's great and now my aunts smoke you know what i mean because they all had depression mm -hmm. now they're all smoking weed and i'm like her sisters and i'm like see i tried to tell you guys 15 years ago but uh nobody wanted yeah. to listen because it was illegal illegal yes and and so um yeah man it, my thing is this dude if if they can get their hands on anything and make a profit they're going to and, and coming if from somebody in the cannabis industry i'm seeing that like oh yeah i started off in the beginning of it where everything was like micro grows we're gonna do this like small batch we're gonna have perfect product and as the big corporate company started coming in because i've been at this company since the beginning i was the first employee and i'll hear him three years later and it's becoming corporate as shit you oh, instantly yeah. see that transition where it's like they try to justify the method saying that it's a better method, but realistically you break down all the components and it's a shittier method. It's just way cheaper and produces way more. And it's just going to keep getting worse, man. And I keep telling people like I'm working on that side because I didn't have a choice because I was making more money when it was illegal. You know, like I had a job, but I would sell more in weed at that job than I did making money at the fucking job. So I had the job just so I had that connection to be able to sell to all these like factory guys and shit like that. So as soon as it became legal, my dad fucking comes up and he's like, I voted for legalization just for you. I'm like, thank you. You just fucked me. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, yeah, everything became legal. All of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, I got to buy the disco card. I got to buy the disco card. So I'm we legal. will eventually be like Marble Lights. Like we'll That's be what I'm scared of like Copenhagen tobacco. It will, bro. Like my brother, he he does business, and, and this is how his mind thinks. Me and him, we love this bar called Mutt Lynch's. It's in Newport Beach. It's legit. If anybody goes to Newport Beach, go to Mutt's. It's fire. It's a bar that's been there for 50 years. We were there just the other day. And this waitress who I know, she came up and I was like, yo, you guys remodeled the place. And she's like, yeah, we're kind of going corporate. You know, we, we condensed our menu to only this. And, and we just opened up a brand new one over here. And I was like, that sucks. That kind of takes away from the fucking... You know, the vibes of the dive bar that's on the sand, you know, like, uh, and my brother goes, it's a great idea. It's, it's, it's corporate business. And so with marijuana, bro, it's, I was here during the green rush back in 2012 before it was like, 
getting legal or whatever uh, in a lot of states and a lot sure of saw the same thing that they pushed all the caregivers out they had them yes. they were working with them at first and then the special caregivers got better licenses and then they pushed all the caregivers out and made it so that nobody can do anything but yes. corporate state yes. approved growth growth yeah and, and it's taxed out the acid and yeah um yeah dude so i think you're gonna be seeing that with some mushy mushies pretty soon uh for sure for sure um, I mean, that being said, it's almost like you need to keep the the original alive in a sense. You know what I mean? Like, don't let everybody grow your weed. People need to still grow weed. Mushrooms specifically, like specifically, specifically mushrooms. I am a big advocate of psychedelics as tools, first of all, is how I like to word it. I'm yeah. one of those people that says everybody needs to eat mushrooms. Like, they're not for everybody. I'm just going to say that right off the bat right now. Um, but there's just this connection with that plant that... Everybody can kind of have their own views on it. People talk about how, like, you play music for plants, they seem happier, they perk up more, like, whatever. Yeah. Um, but from, like, my experiences with mushrooms, whoever the person is that grows them, it takes on, like, part of their energy. So, like, just a prime example. I had another friend at the time who was doing mycology stuff with me when I was doing it. Um, and we would have our – we were doing it mainly for ourselves and stuff, but, uh, like, we would give some to, like, friends and stuff, you know? And he was just a very irritated, like, he did a lot of, like, uh, like mixed martial arts, like, that kind of stuff. Like, he was always, like, yelling, screaming in his house. Um, I would just, I would play, like, psychedelic music for my for my mushrooms. I wouldn't go in that room if I was in a pissed off mood. I'd just be like, no, they leave him alone kind of a thing. And not just one person, but a handful of people said, and again, we got our stuff from the same genetics guys. They had the same base, same place. The only difference was the person physically growing them. And uh, they all said that they got bad trips off of his and good trips off of mine. What? So I started developing this concept about, like, the energy that you put into the plant. So if mushrooms are mass-produced, where they're not, one, naturally produced by the earth with, like, the love from, like, the earth creating them, um, you know, like, giving them, like, a womb to be in, essentially, until they're able to yeah. the fruit, um, like, you're mass-producing it, it's going to lose that love effect. Like, I already see it with weed, bro, that the plants itself, like, when I first started to now, like we have the same method in one building and the other ones moved into like this new cheap to produce method. And it's just like, even the plants that are in the one building as things have corporatized, they just start to describe again, unless you're like into these things and you see the plants regularly, but they just don't seem as happy as they used to be. Like they're losing the love attached to them. And that's like half the battle. It's almost like cooking, bro. Like you can go to fucking McDonald's and you have somebody that just slaps your fucking burger together like shit. And then you have some guy at this local little bar where he like specializes in his burgers and he's putting that time and effort and love into the burgers. They're the same price, you know, but like one just has that special ingredient of somebody that like truly cared about it and like projected like their emotions, their thoughts, their feelings into their art and what they're doing. And it's just being lost along the way. And people don't realize how important that is for especially something that's a spiritual plant, you know, that's something I try to do in my work. Cause I'm a welder. I, I take pride in my work. And I've seen guys just slap welds on that look like pounded dog shit, and then that's it. And mm-hmm. So I know I know what you mean. It's a pride thing. It's taking pride and ownership in what you're doing. And that's that's crazy though. I want to revert back to you uh, being nice to your mushrooms and everybody having a solid trip off of it. And then that's you know I've heard that whole saying of plants do have I wouldn't say emotions. I don't know how to say it, but like they have a sense of spirit spirit to them i guess like 
they're alive. I think they're more conscious than we realize yeah. in the end. Yeah, like, they may not be able to communicate on our same level of how we communicate, but it doesn't mean that they don't have the ability to communicate. Like, I wonder, especially I wonder, in particular with the mycelium network and just being able to help <laughs> trees connect where trees can talk to mycelium networks, dude. Like, they're talking. <laughs> For sure. And I wonder if there will ever be a time in our life, well, probably not ours, but like in life where it, you can actually hear what they're saying or that. The, you know what I'm saying? You can understand what they're saying, and if some dude's chopping down a tree, it's just screaming bloody murder. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if it'll get there consciously. Dude, weird concept that I I heard from. Uh, shout out to Ben Balderson, who's like a ancestral alchemist. I guess you could say it's been something that's been in his family forever, and uh, he was explaining just like the, I guess you could say like the Viking. For, I, I forgot what it's called exactly. I'm brain farting on the word right now. But just like the Nordic religions of things and like the viewpoints of different things and like how they see the world. And he was describing this concept that I found fascinating that it's like our life expectancy is this amount of time. So we move in the speed in order to be able to adapt and move in this period of time. Tree lives for a couple hundred years. So he was saying this concept of like if you theoretically were able to take that time, crunch it down and slow it down, that you'd be able to hear like the talking of the trees, but the way he down it describes it is it's like imagine a giant in a movie versus a little little person. They they portray the little person as hi, how's it going? Like I'm really fast. How's it going? Yeah. And then you have the giant, and they're like hello, little creature. Yeah. So he was describing trees as almost like communicating like that, or plants communicating like that, where you have to like like crunch down the time and, and like how they would portray and speak. And it wouldn't be, like, the same type of audible speech like we're used to. Because it's, like, a concept that I get into even with aliens is that it's, like, we're looking at everything like it's a carbon-based being because we are looking at ourselves for the base of things. But it doesn't mean that anything else functions the way that we do. Like, just because, some like, we don't see a tree as being conscious to the same level that we are doesn't mean that it's not 100% conscious, lives a full life in its own way, shape, and form. It's just that its purpose, its intentions, its way of being is a totally different concept than what we are and we may not understand that consciousness because let's be honest like we don't even understand ours <laughs> you're right no i think you're 100 percent right i think i think you're 100 percent right i i live close to the sequoia national park and there's there's this tree i went to a winery with my buddy not too like probably two years ago and when you go into the hotel it's a sequoia tree that was cut just like I don't know, maybe two feet and then the whole roundness of it. And they have nails in it that people supposedly have figured out the timeline of our history. Like Jesus was born in this timeline and it's like pretty far away from the core of this sequoia tree. It's like over here. And then it shows the Roman empire falls over here. And like, it's all based in these nails in the age of this tree, which was fascinating. I would, I would hope to think that they're right. I don't know. I don't know how uh, solid people are at looking at the layers of trees and understanding the years, but this sequoia tree was huge, bro. It was like just this little thing that was cut out of it was probably 20 feet by 20 feet was the log of it. And that it was nuts. And, but yeah, man, I think plants have some sort of consciousness and I want to grow my own mushrooms i want to grow my own weed i want to grow my own food at the end of the day like i feel think... somebody can never take away from you like experience no. that's the meaning of life kind of like i was saying oh also for shits and giggles 
the oldest tree that we know of is 5,000 years old, and it's the Great Basin Bristol Cone Pine. Um, yeah, oldest tree in existence. That, that's what is I'm that saying. China I think or something? That we know of is 5,000 years old. Um, let's see, where are they located at? I'm curious if they're in California or if they're in China. I'm assuming that they're probably on the other side of the side of the big pond. Probably right. Inyo National Forest. So let's see, where's the Enyo National Forest? I'm assuming that's in America, right? If it's a national forest then? I don't know. Yeah. Enyo, Enyo County, Enyo National Forest. Because Enyo County apparently is in California. Um, yeah, it's California, bro. Extended from the California and Nevada border, Enyo National Forest is a land of super lives, tall mountains, old trees, mono lake, and iconic views with the diversity of recreation opportunities to match. So yeah, California, dog. That makes yeah. me wonder, though, too. You get into the old world, new world concept, and I always like to entertain the idea that America is the old world. And that almost like adds a little bit of validity to that being a possibility, you know? It, it very well could be. I mean, they say that we just discovered it, but I, I imagine we did, but maybe prior generations they discovered it and then and then you know somehow died off from a disease or something and then later on the nature took it back over and then bam indians showed up and then bam we showed up i don't know that's a it's a I, I don't like when people talk about how old the earth is and they're like ah it's four like you got evolutionists saying it's four billion years old you got creationists saying it's six thousand years old um I'm like, how the fuck do you know how old it is? Like, I, it, I'm a human. You're a human. Anybody listening, you're a human. I don't care how smart you are. How the fuck are you going to be on this planet and then judge it and say it's four billion years old? Like, you don't even know you... how old the pyramids are, and you're going to try to judge how old the planet is. That's what I'm saying, dude. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, where are you guys getting these numbers from? Are you getting it from your fucking um, moon tape measure as well? Like. There's just so many numbers that they've given us. That's why I kind of reflect on flat earth because I'm like, they're like, yeah, that, that light that you're receiving is 4.2 billion years old. It's a star, but it's dead. I'm like, what? I mean, a lot of things that people like to drop out and forget, and I always like to point this out, is that when it comes to science, a lot of these concepts that we believe in are at its root theories. But when people teach them in school, they drop that word theory. So when they're talking about like the Big Bang, let's talk about the Big Bang and not call it the Big Bang theory okay because like then it becomes a point where people start accepting things as facts not realizing that it was a theory to begin with um just off of just like not not science but something a little bit different um trojan horse for example it was a concept that was in the iliad it was never part of recorded history it was part of a, a part of an epic poem and it was written by a guy who was around a couple hundred years after when all these events supposedly took place and from, like, my understanding of it, he lived in a place where there's a lot of these old destroyed ruins, so he kind of, like, created stories to try to figure out, like, what could have theoretically, like, happened there. But, like, we embrace that as fact. We get taught that in history class, like, it's fact. Like, the Trojan horse, it happened, it happened. But it literally is from a poem that has no validity <laughs> to any of it actually being true, but we take it yeah. as fact. Yeah. We, uh, dude, everybody walking around right now is taking a bunch of shit that's, they say it's fact, and in my opinion, it's just a, a theory. Like a lot of people, and, and including myself, before I started looking into things and, and questioning, like, wait, what? Like, like the whole idea. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, 
I feel like who who is funding schools? Isn't it Rockefeller? Like there, there's some. Mm-hmm. I think it's the Rockefellers are, are funding schools, or they're the ones who created the school system, and and everybody's taught you know basic math, basic science, basic whatever. And I just wonder. I kind of want to go and look through a a science school book, like that kids are reading these days, and kind of look through it and see what the hell they're saying because. I don't know. I, I think everything has an agenda to it and and a control. And so I believe there is some facts. Like don't get it twisted. It's not it's not that everything's a lie, but like um I I'm just curious. I, I used to as a young man just take everything as fact. Like, yo, you're the adult, you know what's best. Now mm-hmm. now that I'm an adult, I'm like, dude, you guys didn't know shit. You're like me. So like yeah, nobody knows shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Take so it just, you take it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm at, I'm in the sense like I said I'm questioning my reality I'm questioning my spiritual side I'm questioning everything right now and, and it's been a minute it's been like eight months I've been doing this but like actually kind of since I had my little girl but um but for the most part I also step back and enjoy video games and have a couple trulies whatever you know what I mean like I also step mm-hmm. back away from the crazy mindset but um but I. I yeah, when, when things like trauma happens in my life, I do sit back and think, okay, what is life? What is this? And and it's fun. It's good. I, it, I think it's healthy. It's it's It's, it's honestly humans. a moment of reflection because a lot of people just sit and stew in it and they don't take that time to just like separate to think about it. Like going back to the whole cannabis concept, at least for me versus a lot of other people, they try to use it as like an escape. Like, to try to not feel things or not deal with trauma, deal with, like, whatever. Just, like, the way the world works today. Everybody's just looking for an escape. But, like, for me, at least, like, when I smoke weed, rather than, uh, you know, trying to escape a problem, what it does for me is it's, like, the problem is right here. It gives me the ability to step outside of the problem, look at it from the outside, and be able to assess it properly without feeling like I'm in the center of it. Like, so for me, like I said, with a lot of psychedelics, I kind of see them because I mean, cannabis falls in the psychedelic family. See it more as like a tool that needs to be used properly, but a lot of people misuse it and it kind of t- mistakes the direction from it. But like, yeah, it's never a bad thing to sit back and reflect. And a lot of people forget to do that and don't realize that the only way that they can really solve their problems isn't by just being constantly wrapped up in the problem. It's you find a solution when you're able to just sit back from it for a second and look at it from a different perspective. Or distracting yourself from the problem. You yeah, know what I'm saying? The other one. And, and you, like, that's the beautiful thing about weed is weed does, like, say, boom, here it is. A lot of people chalk it up to being paranoid or whatever, but I think it's just simply you, your subconsciousness telling you, hey, man, deal with this, and then let's have fun. <laughs> you know yeah, what some, I mean? Something's off. That's why you feel off. You're paranoid. Like, it's legal. You have no reason to be paranoid now. Like, you feel off because there's something that you're not dealing with and you're trying to deny it. Yeah, the shit's pretty strong these days too. Like, I'm not gonna lie, but like, like dabs and all that. But like, I'm just saying a couple, a couple of hits from whatever. Everybody has their tolerance and it builds as you smoke. But like, um, for people who first start out and they're super paranoid, I'm like, okay, what's going on? Like, what? what well, I think I, I don't know. I got a toothache, and I'm like, well, maybe you should go to the dentist, fix it, and then smoke again. I don't know. 
You know what I mean? Like a lot, a lot of people just subconsciously get paranoid about something they're insecure about or something that they just need to address. And, um, I think once you, once you do smoke and if you find yourself in a perspective of, Oh, I need to fix that, fix that. And then smoke again. And I promise you, you'll, you'll feel happier. And I don't know. Yeah, maybe. You get to a point too, where it's like the paranoia completely goes away. Once you learn like how to use it again, going back to it as a tool rather than an escape. Because if you try right. to use it as escape all the time, it's always going to be that paranoid off feeling. Even with regular psychedelics, bro. Like, yeah. they throw yeah. the shit right in front of your face, and you can either deny it and have it come back and blow up in your face, or you can deal with it right then, diffuse it, and, like you were saying, enjoy it afterwards. Because I kind of get into this whole concept of, like, pain before pleasure in a sense. You know, like, mushrooms are a good example where a lot of people will throw up when they eat them. Um, and then you get to enjoy the trip after that. Uh, it seems like there's like most things in life, there's like a toll to it before you're able to fully enjoy it. Even if it's not necessarily like physical pain, like you just have to deal with the back end before you get to get to the enjoyable part, you know? Yeah. It's fun. You know, there's part of me that wants to dive into ayahuasca and just, just go do it. And just, like, I have nothing no desire to do it, but there's part of me that's just like, I want to just go, I don't know, I kind of like contradicted myself there, but there's a part of me that just wants to do it too, just to see what the heck the hype's all about and like, um, and see what it does, see what it tells me. Um, the sake of experience too, it's something nobody can ever take away from you. You say, it, even if you don't enjoy it, it's something you can say you've done once. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I listen to Joe Rogan. I'm sure everybody does, but like he said something about weed. Like I see a lot of people yelling at, yelling at a freaking light pole on the side of the streets out here in California. And I'm like, what is that? I know it's schizophrenia. They say it is. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm from Detroit, I'm going to be honest with you. It's probably a lot of a mix of different hard drugs. <laughs> okay. We got a lot of that in Detroit where people just be talking to, person that's not there or be talking to a phone call <laughs> it's it's wild it's crazy to see and I, I stare at him i'm like dang dude what is your reality right now but like joe rogan was saying you know sometimes marijuana leads into schizophrenia i disagree with him i don't I, like i said like you said i think it's a whole bunch of freaking drugs it's not it's it's a lot of fried brain cells and I don't th and maybe there's some hereditary schizophrenia to it but i i've never met anybody in to your listeners and to you, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but like if I've never met anybody who's schizophrenic, but that hasn't done drugs, has, you know, like hard drugs, all that stuff. Like I've never met a sober person that just turned schizophrenic, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it's usually the hard drugs too. Like I, again, correct me if I'm wrong with anybody that may know, but like, I've never really heard of anybody like coming a schizophrenic from smoking weed. I feel like it's yeah, maybe like they started smoking weed and got into some other shit. And that may have caused it, um, but like as far as I see it, I, it's, I don't want to say it's a spectrum, but there's like good drugs and bad drugs, and they all yeah. get labeled with that category of drugs, which I kind of see as like you say the word, it just sounds like a derogatory, like downing word, and so it's like I don't know. There's there's the spiritual tools, I'll word it that way, and then there's like drugs, you know what I mean? And they try yeah, to put them into the same category intentionally so that it, again, going back to that whole carrying people away from the spiritual plants, so you categorize all this awful shit together where you have weed sitting in the same family as like hard ass drugs, then it's being associated with it and people are losing track of the fact that it's 
intended to be a spiritual thing. I had a, I had a really good podcast with my friend Corey Newhold. Um, and we talk about this. We talk about mushrooms and we talk about hard drugs. And like, uh, I, I believe anything that's grown from the ground is okay for you. Like it, like it, it was intended for you. I'm not saying poisonous berries were, but I'm saying like, um, there's a reason we have receptors in order to be able to experience these things. Like you yeah. literally have cannabinoid receptors. If you weren't intended to smoke weed, why do we have receptors that are specifically intended for cannabis? Yeah. And I'm cool. Like, you know, now that I got kids, I'm cool with like when they're old enough, if they're like, Hey, like if I, if I know they're smoking weed, I'm gonna be like, come on, we're going to smoke blunt together. You know, let's talk about these things. Now let's talk about what you shouldn't do. You know, like, um, don't do meth. And, and like me and Corey, we, we were saying, you know, drugs are cool, man. At the end of the day, you don't lose your family and your house because it's not fun. The shit is fun. Like, you know what I mean? Like meth is probably really fun. Heroin is probably freaking awesome. But like, you just have to, I, I, I choose not to do those things because I, they're probably freaking awesome. And, um, and there's some the road you're going to end up going down, you know, it's yeah. one of those things you just have to have that blocker where it's like the experience isn't worth the possible aftermath that could come with it. You know? Yeah. I want my teeth, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like take I the want drugs it. that you can't even get addicted to. Like you can't take mushrooms two days in a row. Otherwise like, your oh, yeah. like, Nope, sorry. Eat yeah. Twice as much. And maybe you'll get close to where you were yesterday. Like there's like these like safe factors that are within them. It makes it so you can't get addicted yeah. to them, and it's weird. Eat twenty that they're grams all of shrooms. Eat twenty <laughs> grams of shrooms and tell me how that goes for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <dude>. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um, yeah, sh- yeah. You're making me want to go to Joshua Tree and do shrooms, bro. Like, hey, that's what I'm good for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what you're making me want to do right now. <clears throat> leave, leave it to the guy in the locks to make you want to eat some mushrooms. Uh huh. <laughs> You were holding your cat, and I was like, "Dude, I'm gonna pick up my cat." Like, I was like, "This is nice." Two dudes just talking, petting their cats. <laughs> like, I was like, <laughs> I thought you were gonna take the dirty dad joke on that one. Oh <laughs> uh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's funny, dude. Um, yeah, yeah, dude. I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know where I'm at with with everything. Like, uh plants talking or understanding or mushrooms and stuff like that or what my reality is with with flat earth and like but i love talking about it i I don't know what it is but there's something there there's something there it's almost like a mental exercise too that it's like like i was kind of saying before the show that it's like i'm down to entertain any theory until i see a reason why it's completely improbable and not not possible but I mean, even just that's that's my conclusion off it. It doesn't mean that that is how it is for sure. So it's like, I don't know. I just, I like to entertain all ideas, even for the aspect of it being like a mental exercise just to see where you can really get your brain to go and what it's really capable of thinking. It's like, you don't think of it that much, but essentially <laughs> when you're doing podcasts, you're doing this kind of stuff, you're literally doing like brain workouts every day. And then yeah. you like talk about just sort of normal people about certain concepts. And then you realize that it's like, they're not able to follow these concepts because like they don't, they don't do the exercise to make it so that their brain is able to stretch that way. If that, you know what I mean? So what's your goal for you and your family? Are you trying to 
are you trying to keep it simple or are you trying to chase money like 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 in the corporate weed world like what's what's your goals man i'm just chilling bro <laughs> lack it's of better good. terms because it's like i don't know man keep like simple. i'm one of those people that i don't like being tied or defined by my job i would rather have it be something that's me so like when people ask me what i do like you know i tell people i'm a podcaster and the reason nice. being for that is that it's it's my venture. It's my thing. It's something that nobody can take away from me. I can go into work tomorrow. They can tell me you're fired and it'll be like I was never there in the first place. So why am I going to take that as part of my relationship, part of part of me, if it's something that could so easily be taken away from me? Like, I don't like having that connection with uh, with work like that. Like, I do my thing. I get my money. And my main focus of life is my family and my podcast. So it's like, I can get fired tomorrow. I'm not really worried about it. I'm not upset about it. Like, as long as I got my family and my podcast, bro, like, that that's me. That's that's my thing. Like, You're right. You got to find the things that make you happy. Like, when you die, when you're, the game is over, a lot of people live their life to impress people in their own video game. And, but when you die and it's over, for the most part, you get, like, one or two weeks of solid recognition, solid, hey, I love that guy. He was awesome. Um, I remember this memory with him. I remember this. And then a month goes by, and that's it, bro. Your time, your, your, rec your whatever, two weeks of recognition is up, over. And I'm talking, this happens with the Queen of England. This, hap this happens with any celebrity they get. They're two weeks to a month of like, hey, yeah, this guy was great, great, blah, 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 blah. Life goes on. And so I'm learning as of recently, like I love what you said. You know, I, I don't define myself by my job. I, I, I just I enjoy podcasting and I, I enjoy my family. Dude, that's huge. A lot of people are too busy trying to make an image of themselves to even enjoy those things. And um, that's kind of. I feel like there's a secret to that about life is like tap into those things. That's really going to make your life, your moments better because in the end of it, in the end of it all, I don't care how much money you have, how much chicks you got, how, how many cars you own, where you live on the beach, whatever you're, that's it, bro. You, you get two weeks of recognition and then life goes on. I mean, like, where I'm at too is that it's like when you get to the end, you're not going to regret all the times that you wish that you would have stayed late at work. You're going to remember that yeah. you're going to regret the times that you weren't at home with your family. And as far as I'm concerned, like the most valuable resource in the entire planet is time because once it's gone, there's, there's no way of ever possibly getting it back. So where I'm at with it is that it's like, I work exactly my 40 hours because that's what I need in order to be able to support my family and do my thing. But anything past that, I can make an extra 20 bucks, whatever, staying an hour at work. But it's way more valuable to me to be able to have that extra hour with my family and with my kids. And I see that as priceless. Like, fuck that 20 bucks. I would rather, that that's my time. That's, that's You couldn't pay me enough to be able to take time away from my family because that's time that I'm never going to get back. And I'm never that, that price it's, it's priceless. Yeah. There's, there's not a more valuable thing in the entire world 
like there's no way of getting it back ever. Speaking of time being the most valuable thing, have you seen the movie In Time with Justin Timberlake? It's yes, I am pop- constantly popping on to concepts with that, and it theoretically being like how the world could potentially be once we get into like sustainability, keeping ourselves yeah. alive and stuff. Where it becomes oh, yeah. a matter of not like how long is your body able to live for? It's a matter of like how long are you able to pay in order to be around for? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we're gonna be like, "Oh, I need to get some money." <laughs> like, no, I'm just kidding. But like, that's one way. That's one way that they can find a way to control. Like, what I'm learning about governments and 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 powers that be, the elites. It's it's all about control, dude. And and yeah, so that that is a crazy concept to think. Like in this engineering of transhumanism and all this crap that Klaus Schwab and Yuval Noah Harari, this World Economic Forum, wants to push, like. If they continue to come up with these breakthroughs and regenerated hearts and regenerated everything, like you are looking at an end time scenario. I mean, I'm a firm believer in like rejecting those concepts and the aspects of like they can't make all this be on that unless we're willing to accept that. You know, we'll, like we'll die. You and I will die because I'm the same way as you. you I'll take my I mean? chance, man. I'll live my life natural. I'll die at eighty. Like. My Same. friends and family, whatever, whoever wants to choose that can live to be 120, but I don't want that if it doesn't intend, like, because even on the other side of it, too, it's like, once you start becoming part with AI, one of the things that freaks me out is, like, if they're able to create this, like, universe within the universe that they could keep consciousness, you know, you want it maybe a cop, just a copy of you, it's not you, it's just something that acts like you, an artificial intelligence, or two, it is you, and they trap your consciousness in the system. So it's like they scare people into like, you don't know what's on the other side, like play it safe, be here. And it could be like an intentional ploy because if you're in that, you're not able to actually see the spiritual world and where you're like intended to go. Oh yeah. Have you seen the show Upload on Amazon Prime? I don't think so. Oh, that's a good one. If anybody's listening and wants to watch it, binge a good little series, it's called Upload. It's it's good, dude. It's on Amazon Prime. And uh, the concept is... Uh, this guy, he gets in a car wreck and he's going to die. Or you, you, they could either try to save him, but he might die, or they could upload him. And basically, they upload his consciousness into this land. It's like by a lake. He has a thermometer. He could turn it and it's snowing outside. He could turn it and it's sunny. Turn it, it's raining. Um, it's the whole idea of uh, extracting your consciousness and, and keeping it alive. And it's a good show. It's called Upload. It's, you, you'd like it. They tap a lot into that in uh, Black Mirror. There was, I think, what was that? Oh, hell yeah. Called? It was like Project Juniper or something like that. And it was essentially this idea of like, there's this beautiful place and they don't really fully describe it, but you come to find out that it's like, when people get old to the point where they're not mobile, not able to do things, they can be in the system and live within the system. But then when they pass away, they can choose to have their consciousness downloaded into the system or they'll eternally be in the system. And like I said, just concepts like that, dude. They're trying to normalize shit like that. Like, it's a better alternative, but it's like, I don't know. Like, I'd rather take my chances on seeing what's honestly on the other side. It's all darkness and everything's gone. You, you're unconscious. You don't have to think. You just don't exist anymore after that. Like, so be it. If there's this whole vast spiritual world, so be it. But I'd rather, I'm not a very, very much of a gambling man, but that is one gamble that I would any day be willing to take versus being inside of a computer system and not 
theoretically ever being able to know what's on the other side. Technically, couldn't they keep you inside that computer system, your consciousness, forever, as long as humans are around? Theoretically, yeah, but that's, like, where the question comes in, too, is it's, like, consciousness, like, again, we don't really understand what it is, but consciousness could theoretically be eternal, so, like, what's what would happen with the system if the system was ever destroyed? Like, would you right. still exist within that somehow like even if it's like there's no power to the system and you're almost just sitting in a big black empty room like what would happen with the consciousness within that would it be released from it or go into the spiritual like what's because obviously nothing's gonna last forever in this entire world like everybody could be within the system and fucking the world explodes you know like people don't take that shit into consideration if they're going into the system, that that's not eternal, but theoretically, if there is a spiritual afterlife, that's eternal, and it's irrelevant if the fucking planet gets destroyed 3,000 years from now. There's, like, this spiritual eternalness that, you know, could travel interdimensionally, you know? Yeah, Putin, the 67th, could finally send a rocket. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. It's, it's weird. All that stuff is weird to me. My brother loves it. He owns an IT business, and He's all about it. He's like, yeah, I'll upload it. Like he's he's all about it, and I'm I'm the total opposite. I'm like, I just want to stay organic. You know what I mean? I I like the idea of I was created in the image of God, supposedly. So like that's I I want to stay in this image. I don't want to try to tamper with it. I think you you're gonna get some dicey stuff when you start tampering with it, which I think they're doing now with the the shots and all that stuff. It's that uh, playing God concept, you know, it's yeah. like people don't ask whether or not we should be doing it. They just decide to do it. And uh, I don't know, man, it's almost like if there is some type of universal consciousness or a God or whatever, like it almost makes you wonder if by doing those things, even though you think you're doing good, if it already, you know, marks where you're going, so to speak, you know, because you are going against the wishes of the greater power again whether it be a god god with a big g gods with a little g or universal consciousness like whatever people want to perceive it as i always like to entertain that all could theoretically be the same thing but i look at it from a lot of different angles i look at it from the biblical angle i look at it from the spiritual angle but either way it's just a separation and almost like a like a big fuck you to whatever that thing may or may not be yeah i got you but. My, my cat, dude, he just keeps up. I must. I think I need to feed him or whatever. It's all good. <laughs> I heard a couple of meows coming from the background, yeah, but yeah. I'm always cool with cats being on the podcast because the one that was sitting on my lap. Uh, my listeners that have been listening for a long time probably know the reference, but for all the newer listeners, you may not get it. In uh, episode, I think two or three of BDI, um, I was in the kitchen recording an episode, and that cat Ariel, she decided to climb up on this. Uh, little shelf i had behind me and i have one of those the toaster ovens you know with the glass doors that pull down and i went to move her so she didn't fuck everything up and she took the whole shelf down on me and uh kyle's like damn bro your cat's trying to kill you (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome but yeah i'm totally used to the whole interference from cats and i find it funny so no worries here bro (laughs) that's what's up dude no i saw the cat in the background before we talked and i was like normally i shut my cat out and then, because he does, he meows. And so I was like, all right. And then and then I saw your cat, and I was like, I'll let him in. Dude, I got my podcast and buddy cats. Like, when I do my stuff in the bedroom, uh, I got my one cat, Artie. He's the only one I, like, because I usually close the door in the bedroom. 
and all the other cats will like scratch him underneath the door trying to get out and he'll just like chill and be the podcast buddy you know and get yeah. close then when i do it out here it's like they all come in spurts um i got ariel <laughs> where she'll walk out sit in my lap for a while um like i said i got eight cats all together so they kind of intermittently pop out here and burst and then i unintentionally in a way have a ninth cat it was more so that like i have chickens and shit in my backyard and That's there's dope. a cat that started coming around my yard and I got him to trust me, start giving him food and stuff, kind of get him to come up and get comfortable with me. Start off where it's like, I'd look at him from across the yard and he'd take off. And now he, uh, I'll go outside my backyard and I'll start yelling his name. And I know he's, he stays close. He, he sees my yard as like his home point. Because anytime I yell his name, no matter what time of day it is, he comes running within 30 seconds. Okay. Now, he got the back window at like three o'clock in the morning. He's chilling mm-hmm. back there. So it's like, he is my cat, but he's not my cat. It's more like he chose me, but he's kind of like my unintentional, like, ninth outdoor cat. <laughs> so none of your cats mess with your chickens? Nope. Uh, well, I keep them, um, because of where I live. I live in the city, so okay. I don't really want to take a chance of them getting in a neighbor's yard, because I'm not technically even supposed to have them where I live in the first place. Okay. Um, also, we get hawks, so yeah, I don't want to take any start. chances of them taking out my chickens, because... All of my chickens, I purposely bought fancy, nice breeds because I wanted egg layers. I wasn't trying to do meat birds. Um, so, like, I care about all the birds individually because I'm a big animal guy to begin with. So it's not just, like, a typical farmer concept of it's like, oh, one got picked off, like, whatever. Like, I've named all of them. They're all, like, chill with me. They give me my eggs and stuff. Like, you know, I don't, I don't want anything happening to any of them. Like, I take care of them just like I would any other type of pet, you know. Like, they have their food outside. They're set up how chickens should be set up. It's not like I'm treating them like indoor house pets, but you know, you just gotta have some uh, like respect for the things around you. And it's like, even if you have meat birds, dude, give them the best life that you possibly can while they're alive. Because it's like you know what their end is. Like, let them at least enjoy the time that they have here, man. And if you have egg layers that you're not intending to use as food, like fucking treat them with respect, man. Like chickens are smart. Um, I have one that was like bonded with me. Chickens will actually try to like they'll just do certain things when they start bonding with people. Like, they're intelligent animals, bro. So it's like, you know, I treat them with respect, and I want nothing to happen to them. They're all my, all my pets and babies, you know? They're little homies. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you have to, if it became apocalyptic and you had to eat them, you would. But, like, I mean, for, for the most part, you're, you're not in that situation. Right now, they're just producing good old eggs for you. But see, that's two sides of the spectrum, too, there. Because if there's an, ever an apocalyptic event, I eat all the meat birds, all my birds are gone. If they're producing eggs, yeah, they're regular never food. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> never mind. You're just going to have to eat a whole shit ton of eggs. <laughs> hey, man, that's some good protein, though. <laughs> I, dude, I, I eat four eggs, two hash browns every day for my lunch, man. Every day. Maybe dude, one of the best parts about it is you know you can eat some raw eggs if they're your eggs because you know that they're not contaminated with a bunch of nasty shit. So it's that like, is true. I, uh, I like to make this dish. I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm not even going to pretend like I do. But it's a Japanese, like, breakfast where you take rice and you crack a raw egg over it and you mix it in and you can add in different, like, however however you're feeling. You know, like, I use, like, fish flakes, things like that in it sometimes. But, uh, like, it makes the eggs, like, or not egg, it makes the, uh, the rice just, like, creamy and just have, like, a totally different texture to it. It's like, if I didn't have my own eggs, I wouldn't be able to try that because I wouldn't want to take the chance. And especially coming from somebody that, like, has chicken, seeing, like, what eggs at the store look like versus farm fresh eggs. Like, after seeing farm fresh eggs, bro, like, I'll never eat 
store-bought eggs because they look like fucking poison. Like, the yolk is an unnatural yellow color. The outside gets bleached white. Like, if you're looking at natural eggs, like, they have more of, like, an orangey yellow. Yeah, exactly. And they'll be creamier. Like, they're they're more runny when you buy store-bought eggs. Like, you know, they're not good quality eggs. So, (laughs) if you have the opportunity, anybody, literally anybody, fucking go and get some uh, farm-fresh eggs and tell me that you want to go back to eating regular store eggs. <laughs> Same with milk. Yep. Fresh milk is the best. And just like most things that are uh, straight from straight from the source, they try to make it illegal because they got to have that little middle <laughs> step in ground because they got to get their profit out of it too, you know? Of course. Like of people course. have been drinking unpasteurized milk for thousands of years and all of a sudden now it's like, people could get sick. It has to be approved. It has to be pasteurized. It has to be this. You can't just sell it raw straight from the cow because Let's be honest. The government just wants their wants wants their little grab of your money that you're getting from it. Like if you're can sell it straight from the cut. farmer to the producer, like they're losing their cut. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. Hundred percent. But I guess we're uh, we're coming up to about an hour and a half. Um, I'm sure I could easily make this conversation go way longer, but just for the sake of uh, keep it keeping keeping the interest so that we can come back for a round two. Yeah, um, bro. I feel like it's a good spot to uh cut it off for today and come back around to it. Yeah, dude. hundred percent. No, so I, I, yeah. Keep going. Sorry, dude. Go for it. Sorry. I would say that being said, um, before we get into, you know, where everybody can find you, um, I always like to do words of wisdom from the guest to the listener. Um, you know, it could be something that's close to you that you've kind of lived on your whole life. It can be related to the conversation, but at this particular moment in time, if you had anything that you'd like to bestow to the listeners, uh, what would it be? I would say don't give up like a lot of, you know, like you were saying earlier, you know, without the bad, there is no good without the good. There is no bad. Um, don't give up, man. I've, I've been in low places. Oh, the chill, dude. I've been in low places in my life. Um, I've been, you know, broken up with, I've been, uh, I don't know, just, where you just feel alone. And, and, uh, I read a verse from the Bible once take this as, as words, not necessarily biblical if you're not a Christian or anything, but at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And I do believe that. I believe if you have goals, if you have a, a desire in your heart that you're trying to achieve, and sometimes it seems unobtainable, just don't give up. And, and I don't mean that in a cheesy way, like, don't give up. Like, I just mean it in the sense of don't let your spirit give up on you. Um, you're capable. You can literally do anything if you put your mind to it, except for go to the moon. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I would say I would say just don't give up. No, I mean, that's some honestly some great words to, uh, to live by, because the way I see it, giving up isn't an option. Like it can never be an option and everybody has to get that set in their mind and life is like an ocean, man. And sometimes you just got to ride the wave, man, and stay afloat. And that's all that you can do. And that's all that you should do. You know, like don't be mad because you're not, you know, flying over the water, you know, as long as you're keeping afloat, like that's all you need to do, man. Just maintain, you know, there's tough times, there's good times, but as long as you're able to maintain through the week, through the bad times, man, like the good times are coming. They're just around the corner, you know? And it's like, if people are willing to give up, they never know what could be on the other side. They could be at the absolute lowest point in their entire life, and they want to give up at that point, not realizing that 
two days ahead could be the greatest moment that's ever happened in their life. But you'll never know that if you just give up. Exactly, bro. I like your life's an ocean thing. Like, you're either hanging tin, having a sunny, good day at the beach, you know, or else you're caught in a swell and getting washed. And, like, yeah, it's it's the same concept, dude. Same mm-hmm. ocean, same life. Just don't give up. And I promise you, whatever, like I said, whatever the desire of your heart is, I believe you will get it. Just don't give up. And I'm one of those people, too, that believes that, like, the path will be will be shown to you when it's intended to be shown to you on what you should be doing and what your, like, purpose is. And, you know, not everybody has a crazy purpose. I mean, some people's purpose could literally just be sitting on a microphone having a voice. But, again, you'll never know unless you keep your head up and keep moving on. Yes, sir. But I'm with you on that. For anybody that uh, enjoyed the conversation, because clearly this was a wonderful conversation, so I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to come and check you out. Uh, where, where can everybody come and find your show at, man? You can you can look it up on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Just look up DrewCast. Um, the Drew is in green. The cast is in white. Uh, there's a couple DrewCasts out there, but you can't miss it. My my name's Drew Logan, so you'll you'll see all that. And then I'm I'm just starting out. Uh, I'm I, yeah. And I'm 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 having a good time doing it, and I just try to keep it real, and yeah, try to keep it fun, positive, and funny. I guess. Okay, but at I the do. same at the same time, there's some serious shit we talk about too, like what the hell's going on right now. You know what I mean? It's an array of stuff, but but um, yeah, you can find Drewcast or or my YouTube channel is just look up Drewcast, and somehow I got really lucky, and nobody had that. But it'll probably get taken down pretty soon. So, <laughs> <laughs> look it out, man. While everybody's at it, you know, while you're coming to check it out, the Drewcast, you're subscribing, doing the usual things. Drop us a review, man. Drop him a review. Drop me a review. If you want to make it quick and easy, you can go on Spotify. Just you know, play two seconds of an episode, leave a five star review, man. Even if you uh don't necessarily like the show, you know, if you appreciate the work that we put into it, it just helps us out because then we start popping up on other people's things and they start searching stuff. It just, it just it helps us out all around, man. So even if you don't enjoy the show, like it's never a bad thing just to give a show a five-star review just, just to help them out a bit. And uh, if you want to be a little bit more personal, you know, you can go and drop some, some reviews on iTunes. Uh, you know, you can type out whatever nice things you want to say or whatever mean things you want to say. But as long as you yeah, click that five-star, man, like you can say whatever mean shit you want to me. I don't give a shit. But, <laughs> but yeah, just spread the love, man. Even share it with a friend. That's also the other best thing you could do is if you know anybody that's just into this kind of stuff, man, all you got to do is pass along to a friend. And that's the only way that uh, shows like mine and like Drew's are ever going to grow is because of you listeners. And, you know, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys. So we definitely appreciate you. Yes, we do. And you're, you're absolutely correct. That five star really does help. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate your listeners. Anybody listening, especially up to this point, dude, thank you. You guys are the absolute best. And with that, sir, you are also the best today, and I appreciate you coming on the show, and I'm looking forward to doing some more stuff. In the You're a solid host, man. You're a solid host, for real. Like, that was fun. I like it. I appreciate it, man. It's a compliment. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. You're good. Keep it up. And uh, to all the listeners, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And as usual, I'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. Bye, everybody.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.